Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books and Indian Religions podcast, the podcast channel here on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkran. More importantly, I have the, the, the dual pleasure, the double delight today of speaking uh, with Dr. Daniel Source um, of uh, Tim College and researcher uh, Dr. Nadia Poran. Uh, they're both co-editors of a brand new uh, Rutledge Hindu Studies series, um, publication. Shout out to Rutledge and the series. Uh, just so happens that my monographs are also in this series. Um, uh, this is called uh, Hindu Christian Dual Belonging. Welcome to the podcast, both. Thank you. Thanks, Raj. It's a pleasure to be here. And likewise. Um, tell us a bit about the genesis of this project. How did how did you how did you get involved or how how where did this idea come from? Yeah, so in the introduction, we write a little bit about this, where we say that this came through many conversations, probably at a pub in Cambridge, if, if we're going to try to locate it. Um, we Daniel and I had a lot of conversations about this topic, um, not only amongst each other, but with our, our supervisor, Dr. Akwabara, uh, with our colleagues. And we began to think a lot about what does it mean to be someone who is interested in Hinduism and Christianity. And what would that look like to to study it, to write about that? Um, so eventually we began to pull together a group of scholars to have a, a very intimate conference about this topic. Yeah, I, mean, I think that is summed that up pretty well, really. Um, I suppose in different ways, both of us were working on figures and places and concepts which involve Christianity and Hinduism. So so the, the sort of more we thought about that, even though Nadia and I were working on quite different areas, that broad question of the extent to which it might be possible to call yourself a Hindu Christian or a Christian Hindu or, um, or some mixture of that um, sort of really interested us. Um, and I suppose the more we came to encounter colleagues in the field, we, the more we realized this was a lived reality anyway. Um, in fact, some of the contributors to the volume, I think, in, in different ways, might think of themselves as dual belongers to, to various extents. So thank you for sharing the genesis. And, you know, in, in the back of my brain, I wonder, uh, uh, I wonder after the great many of ideas and developments began at a pub in Cambridge or <laughs> the pub at some university, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so this this Hindu Christian dual belonging regarding the central theme or thrust of 
of of the volume. Does this pertain to uh, practitioners um, who belong to both of these worlds, to scholars, to scholar practitioners, to both? You made mention of some of the contributors. So perhaps let's just clarify for those listening. Um, who are who are the types of people who potentially identify as both? Do you mean who is the book written for or who is the dual belonger? About, yeah, about, but well, we'll get to towards the end, but who is, you know, who is, who are one of these types of individuals that are, that are, that, who have this dual belonging? Right. So that's kind of the beauty of the book, I think, is that there is not really a single definition or a single, even a working concept of what exactly counts as a dual belonger, who is and who who isn't. Um, but all the authors do explore that question, right? So um, we have a few different examples within the book that kind of scattered throughout the chapters, whether a dual belonger is someone who is born into a family where one parent follows one religion, one parent follows the other. We have other people who explore kind of a convert dual belonger, someone who was interested often in Christianity, um, and then grows interested in Hind Hinduism. That's kind of the way that that trend ten tended to work, which we do explore a little bit in the introduction, um, though, of course, it can go the other way as well. Um, but yeah, is a dual belonger someone who self-identifies with both traditions? Is it someone who is interested in both traditions? Is it someone who actively participates in both communities, you know, the, a Christian community, a Hindu community? Is it something altogether different than that? Like, there's not one clear answer to that question, which tends to be how scholarship goes, right? It depends. There's lots of examples. There's lots of nuances. Yeah, the questions that I pose tend to be uh, purposely naive and generative, and they're and they're they sort of okay. So who's Gandhi? <laughs> well, it depends. Yeah. Who you asking? Um, um, great. So that was a that was a great sort of introduction to some of the the, the texture of the e volume would you say perhaps you can recap some of your um remarks in the volume about ways in which the these different papers come together was there an overarching framework thrust uh, message hopeful takeaway you know what can we say about that yeah well i mean i think that that obviously the conceptual framework was this notion of dual belonging um, and, and the extent to which that might look different in different contexts, um, European, American, Indian, um, and also different time periods. Um, and the chapters range over different case studies um, from the sort of early St. Thomas Christians of India in one of the chapters um to 20th century figures um like B. Griffiths and Abhishek Tananda. Um and I suppose in all of that, part of the question as well was is there anything distinctive about the Hindu Christian combination that may not apply to other forms of dual belonging? Um so we were partly, I suppose, sort of inspired by um by a, a volume and a, and a conference on, on Buddhist Christian dual belonging. And so we were curious to know whether there's anything distinctive about a Hindu Christian case. And that's a question taken up in many of the chapters. Yeah. And also, I think because we brought together scholars who have a wide range of disciplinary backgrounds, like we had 
theologians, philosophers, historians, sociologists, anthropologists, um, all kind of exploring that question from their own discipline, that it did create this really beautiful mix of people who were looking at it more theoretically and like, what does it, what could it mean to be a dual belonger and what, what might be some kind of philosophical barrier to that, if any. And then we also had people who were looking at very on the ground lived experiences cases of someone who is trying to navigate that, right? So we, we brought both the theoretical um, and the very lived reality together in people's explorations of this. Yeah, that's one of the compelling features of of the volume as a whole, I think, that, that sort of bridging and bringing together in the multiple perspectives. Um, so it dawned on me as I was looking over the book for, for the podcast that um, in most of my teaching is continuing studies, um, primarily at the Oxford Center for Studies and also some other platforms, uh, particularly that one in my own sort of um, school of Indian wisdom. One is more um, emic edic blend, and at the OCHS, it's more of an edic paradigm or uh, but nevertheless, I encounter students all the time. I think would um, they're, they're super spiritual, super attracted to Indic ideas. Some of which are practitioners, most of whom hail from loosely Christian origins. And it just dawned on me. I think I would recommend some of these articles to them as they make sense of and they grapple with their interests and investment in in, in learning about um, Indic thought. Uh, the Hindu teachings, if you will, uh, broadly. And I, I think it would be fascinating for a couple of students I have in mind to sort of um, make sense of their own experience through some of these articles. So I, I find that fascinating. I usually ask this towards the end of the podcast, but I'll ask it now because um, I think I've just preempted it. But who liked this book before? Or who, who you know, who do you think might benefit from, from looking at this? In terms of subfield or interest or what have you. Well, I love hearing that you already have people in mind who you think might be intrigued um, and could even benefit from reading this content. I love that because this was a very personal project. I, I think it's fair to say for both Daniel and I, um, I think it, it tends to be the case that a lot of people who pursue kind of religious studies for myself, I'm an anthropologist. Uh, Daniel's a, a theologian, a philosopher. Um, you know, th there does tend to be some personal intrigue behind that, um, and it, it's great to know that we have created something with the help of so many of, with with all of the contributing scholars that we've created something that could be used by a practitioner or by someone who is navigating their own spiritual path. That was certainly something that we had very on our minds as we made the conference. So the conference that we had back in, I think it was 2018, it was a very intimate dialogical conference. Everyone read each other's papers before meeting. Um, the conference itself was then turned into a dialogue of, you know, what about this aspect? Well, you know, so-and-so wrote this in their article. How might that relate? Um, so I think all of the contributors are personally intrigued and interested in this topic. So absolutely, I would recommend it to anyone who is intrigued in the topic of how do I navigate my own religious or spiritual identity, especially if I'm interested in more than one tradition. So that's definitely the forefront audience that I have in mind. But Daniel, maybe you want to add, you know, who else would be intrigued by by this volume? Yeah, I, no, I would agree. I, I think um, 
people who are interested in exploring their own identity and and their own questions will find the volume interesting maybe particularly the chapters which um lean towards being a little bit autobiographical um so i think actually in particular um we've got a chapter in there by jeffrey long and that's that's actually quite um i think quite sort of explicitly autobiographical about jeffrey's own journey and um movement from christianity to to hinduism um another example would be rachel fell mcdermott where she reflects on on her own context um so i think for for anybody like that there's um yeah there's more than just merely scholarly interest i think in the chapters um equally i think people who are interested in the history of interactions between hinduism and christianity will find some of the um well that like i mentioned before the chapter about the saint thomas christians um nadia's chapter about contemporary interactions um in in india uh between christianity and hinduism and then equally those who are more interested in the sort of philosophical and theological um parameters and and boundaries of what dual belonging might look like and i think we'll enjoy uh, gavin de costa's chapter for example where he explores the sort of the particularly roman catholic doctrinal um limits and possibilities of dual belonging so so i think all of those sorts of people would enjoy different bits of the volume yeah and i would even add that um daniel i love how you spoke about all of those chapters as well and and i would add that even if you've you know someone finds themselves as being interested in christianity or in hinduism i think that this book helps to push that boundary line because so many people both historically and contemporarily are not in a sole religious tradition right we it, it just that that's not how things work for so many individuals where we're intrigued by multiple traditions and so you know even if one is a scholar of Christianity. Um, I see huge benefit to seeing how other Christian theologians and philosophers have have pushed the limit of their Christian faith to make it large enough to include other religious traditions and vice versa. Someone interested in, you know, Hindu philosophy um, could be um, really intrigued and and see how different Hindu theologians or or Hindu practitioners have also grown interested in in Christian traditions. So I think it's. It's a really interesting volume in the sense that it, yes, it's a Hindu Christian book, but I think it's also deeply grounded in Hinduism and in Christianity. Yeah, and it's it's um it probably has a number of um potential applications insofar as folks interested in the comparative enterprise, but in particularly bridging, whether that's bridging as a comparative theologian such as Francis Clooney, which fascinatingly is actually the, the he's not an author, but he's, his work is a topic of of, of uh, Martin Ganeri's uh, contribution. Whether it's bridging, you know, within the, the 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 paradigm of knowledge production or scholarship proper, whether you know it's bridging in terms of policy, whether it's bridging in terms of someone interested in some kind of uh, cultural exchange, um, and I think they're. Really, there are examples with this particular bridging, but I think that this conversation could readily be applied to that enterprise, irrespective of you know X slash Y dual belonging. So I think it's they're fascinating kernels um, for for various types of readers who are interested in interreligious dialogue. I feel. Yeah, 
Agreed. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. So one of the sort of meta questions that comes to mind, sort of part of, it's both my pension, I think my function to keep it, keep the conversation broad because, you know, folks interested in the book will certainly look at the book and the, the, uh, the table of contents is available through the podcast notes. But this, this, what you mentioned earlier with, um, um, Rachel and Jeffrey's articles, Jeffrey's actually appeared on the podcast a number of times. Um, I possible or what would the reception be of such scholarship five or ten years ago? Is this novel or innovative in a way? Is is this indicative of a trend in scholarship, whether in the subfield or in religious studies at large? Is is this sort of the is this tension somehow um, received differently? I mean, this is um, I have no particular answer in mind, but I love your perspective on where this book may fit in showcasing trends in scholarship? Well, I mean, I, I think we certainly felt and hoped that it was um, it was, it was, was a book that was needed, really. Um, so we were fortunate that Catherine Corneal um, offered to write our forward. And she talks in, in much of her work about how the, the idea of dual belonging has been a, a lived experience, um, certainly in Asia, but um for centuries um but that it's only really become a topic of serious reflection in the west in the past few decades um and she mentions early on in her forward a conference that took place only in 1999 um really to to sort of investigate this idea of dual belonging which sort of gave rise to her volume um on multiple belonging and christian identity in 2002 um, and I suppose it seemed to us that sort of 20 years later, there hadn't been an awful lot of serious reflection and specifically not on the Hindu Christian, um, case. Um, so yes, we, we, we did hope that it would, it would fill a gap. And I think as far as having, you know, certain elements of that personal intrigue and personal story autobiographical contained within, well, that's not you know, altogether new. I, I can think of a few, even within the Hindu Christian context, I can think of a few often Christian theologians who have written about their own experiences in that way. I think where it is pushing scholarship is to show just how wide reaching that is. Um, I'm thinking especially of the religious studies context in North America, where there tends to be a bit of a distancing game. <laughs> 
from being religious oneself or being religiously inclined or spiritually interested oneself. Um, having studied in both North America and the UK in departments of religion can kind of tease out that difference a bit more if we needed to. But, you know, I, I do see this as a thing, especially in, in North America, religious studies departments, there is a little bit of an aversion to being religious oneself. You know, you study about other religious people and beliefs. You don't identify yourself within, a, within there. And that's why there's sort of stark divide, again, in North America between theology and religious studies. Um, while that's not as prevalent in the UK, that divide, I mean, um, I do think that it's it's really wonderful to have brought together a volume where people from, again, from all scholarly disciplines and from different regions, right? We had both North American scholars and, you know, European scholars in this volume, Indian scholars as well, having different people um, choose to highlight their own positionality um, alongside their research interest, I think is a really, um, a really helpful contribution to the research itself. Because again, when we think about who's interested in this content, right, it, it's not exclusively people who are themselves on a spiritual exploration, but I think that is a lot of the people who are interested in this content. And if you're only reading works by people who are studying about rather than who are embedded within that own exploration, I think you lack a certain, um, like you lack street cred, <laughs> I think, if you're just like writing about how other people have navigated this. Um, if you can speak to your own experience of navigating something, or even if you draw on your own experience when, you know, doing analytical work of a historical period or something, I think that deepens the richness of the scholarship and that it can allow, again, for the, the reader who might be on their own spiritual path, it can allow for certain levels of, um, like breakthrough in that reading experience. So I, I'm very glad that we were able to bring together scholars who were interested in doing that and who, you know, volunteered their own stories and their own um, positionalities as well in this exploration. I know, fascinating. You know, my own personal sense uh, is that, um, particularly in the North American context with which I'm much more familiar, I, of course, collaborate with a number of UK colleagues and I, I teach online um, at, at the OCHS, but I'm, I'm, I am based in North America and all my training was in North America. Actually, not just North America, all of all three of my degrees were at Canadian institutions. And um, um, without question, that divide has historically been the case. And one wonders whether these very scholars would have been as comfortable sharing this 10 years ago, five years ago, particularly the ones at North American institutions. So I think this is an ongoing conversation and, and, and serendipitously, synchronistically perhaps, while I was um, looking over the the the, the, the small human preparation for our conversation, um, I got an invitation from um, Donham, the Dharma Academy of North America, that sort of runs a sort of uh, adjunct conference at the American Academy of Religion, and the Enterprise. The, 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 I've had the I've had some folks from Donham on the podcast before, and the Enterprise is very much one of thinking about and creating space for the Hindu scholar practitioner, whatever that looks like. And um, the, it's uh, given, owing to some of the commitments, it's doubtful that I'll make it to um, make it out to um, San Antonio. The conference I had to decline, but the invitation came in and said, hey, "You know, we, you know, we think you'd be a fascinating voice. Like, we'd like to. You, could you contribute to this panel?" It's about a practitioner. So that really came to mind as I was 
that tension came to mind. That's that's I think important, and that we're still navigating, and ideally fruitfully navigating. Because good scholarship is good scholarship. Uh, it may well be in for, uh, infused with insights from from practicing life. I mean, a music historian is a need rhythm and pitch, but nevertheless, if one is studying scores and studying music history and one has musical chops, I mean, that's certainly going to only enrich one's one's scholarship, perhaps. Um, the other tension that comes to mind is uh, the analogy I use in terms of uh, the analogy of the buffet, the Indian buffet, and the idea that, well, well we're all eating each other's, each quote-unquote each other's food this day. Everybody has samosas and sushi and what have you and you know who belongs to what tradition and who's an adopter uh, versus an inheritor and to what extent and we you know I have students coming all the time with qualms about you know whether they're yoga teachers whether they're scholars whether they're just lifelong learners you know um, and I engage as can I teach this um, from this context in this body from this root and so I think I think there are a number of um current issues, far as I can see, that this collection contributes, the conversation surrounding which is this collection contributes to. Um, but also, you know, I'd be fascinated to hear your own personal characterization of where this might fit into our current conversations. Yeah, well, as you were speaking about having that kind of, you know, sharing of multiple cultures, multiple cuisines, all, all of that, um, it reminded me of the approach that Jeffrey Long takes in his chapter in this book, um, where he emphasizes that everyone has a singular identity, um, even though the singular identity, you know, does have multiple affiliations, um, even if it's only within a singular tradition, even that very one tradition has has drawn on many sources, right? And so in doing this, um, you know, Jeffrey Long kind of takes apart the idea of dual religious, right? Emphasizing instead the the singularness of our own inner identity. Um, but I think it's such a, a helpful and needed point to illuminate how even a singular tradition, let alone a you know multiple religious tradition person, it is drawing ultimately, is drawing upon so many sources to form their their orientation toward ultimate reality or the world or their own belief system. Mm. Well, I'll ask uh, one final question uh, for today. Uh, I realize that, uh, that you have some other commitments. Um, is this work that you're continuing? Uh, say maybe a bit of a word in terms of where this may fit into into, into your larger scholarly interests, or whether there's more on this topic, or do you feel like this is it for this now? You know, what are you working on next? Um, yeah, so I I suppose it is in the sense that Nadia and I certainly. Um, continue to have conversations um around around this book and conversations with the various contributors um i mean i suppose it it is not quite an answer to that question raj but i suppose it one thing that dawned on me as you were talking it and and Nadia was perhaps one blind spot maybe it's inevitable of any work like this is that you i suppose through partly through um arbitrary connections partly through the sorts of people who you know are interested in these sorts of topics it kind of inevitably end up drawn towards people who are maybe sort of amenable and open to this kind of concept of dual belonging i suppose maybe there's i don't know that nadia would agree it um you know 
I suppose if someone who knew nothing about Hinduism and Christianity picked up this volume, it could give the impression that both religions were actually very open to the idea of um, learning from the other in, in a way that's maybe not quite true um, historically or, or of certain sorts of Christians and Hindus. Um, but personally, given that I'm very interested in these topics, um, yes, I, so I've been working on um, a comparative volume on the notion of Leela in, in Hinduism and Christianity. So um, to move a little bit beyond the idea of Leela just seen as play um, or playfulness and, and to explore sort of cognate motifs in Christianity of grace and freedom, um, um, paschal joy and, and that sort of thing. So that's what I've been working on. Can't wait to read that, Daniel. I didn't know. I was, gonna, uh, I was about to say, like, <laughs> so until, until our next conversation, we'll cover that work. Um, faithfully, of course. Um, <laughs> um, as for me, I, like Dan, I'm still extremely fascinated by having conversations about these topics. Um, as far as a more kind of rigorous research, I'm no longer focusing on the question in a Hindu Christian context, but, that, but I would say I'm endlessly fascinated and probably always will be with the topic of, of belonging more broadly and especially dual belonging. So one thing that we outlined in our introductory chapter to this volume is that we realize that all contributors were considering belonging from a slightly different definition. And we summarized what those, what those four, we, we realized there were four different definitions that scholars were working with. Um, when kind of thinking through the question, what does it mean to belong? And one of those definitions is, well, belonging comes when you have kind of an authority or a, or a hierarchical figure saying, yes, you've got the stamp of approval, like you belong. Another form of belonging comes when the community who you're intrigued to belong with, when they say, hey, we welcome you, like come alongside us, you're welcome here. Um, a third type of belonging is when kind of inwardly using your own acrobatic, you know, logistic type tendencies, when, whether you can say, you know, I think that I can belong to both, you know, Hinduism to Christianity, I'm, I'm capable of seeing how I belong to both. And it's an inward choice. And the fourth definition that people worked with was, you know what, regardless of all these affiliations, am I Hindu? Am I Christian? Am I both? Am I neither? You know, can I belong to my inner self and or to God? Um, we saw that people had these four different definitions of belonging when they were working through the question of dual belonging. And I think that those four things, those four definitions, rather those four ways of belonging are things I continue to ask myself in different contexts. So, um, you know, I, I'm a queer woman with a background in Christian theology that is not um, very favorable toward the queer community. And so I do my own acrobatic of belonging in that context, um, you know, thinking through these four ways I just mentioned. Also in the research that I do, I now work outside of academia, but more in different um, HR contexts and industry. I'm, I'm also endlessly asking that question, how do we form belonging or how do we experience belonging in the midst of very different worldviews? You know, to what extent is that possible? So yes, I'm I'm exploring that question, though, though outside of of the Hindu Christian context. Well, I think your 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 response and, and I suppose the concluding remarks for this podcast pertain to something mentioned earlier that 
this question is a scholarly question and engages uh, through the scholarly lens, but this question is far more than that. This this question, we all navigate um, in various ways at various times. The question of where do I belong? To whom do I belong? Do I decide if I belong? Does someone else decide if I belong? Can I have a dual citizenship? Can I can I be a queer Christian? Uh, am I ousted by virtue of you know the, the, the mandate of heaven or my my own shame and guilt or or community from one or the other? And so so this is why this is rich and fascinating. It's it's. These are questions that we are, uh, that will only continue to be enriched and deepened as we navigate, you know, um, our engagement with with other traditions and, and perspectives. I've harassed you enough for one day, so um, thank you very much for appearing on the podcast. Thank you too. Yeah, thank you for having us. For those listening, of course, we've been speaking uh, uh, to Dr. Daniel Soros and Nadja Foran on. Um, their co-edited volume, Hindu-Christian Dual Belonging, brand new um, Rutledge Hindu Studies series publication. Um, until next time, keep well, keep listening, keep reading, and maybe question uh, your own belonging and who decides where you belong. Take care.